of course, everybody has a goal. Everybody has a pursuit. Everybody has a life assignment. And really, we are all distinct and different in our pursuits. But I feel one of my life's purpose is to reveal God to people. It's, it's my calling. Even long ago. It's my, it, it has been my goal and the goal of this ministry to bring people to the knowledge of God. In the last discussion, we look at God has revealed and we are not even able to see scriptures. Maybe now we are going to do. You must know God. It should be one of your life's goal. That I don't wait until I die or until the rapture takes place and I stand in the presence of Jesus before I see God. Yes, the scripture says we shall see him like he is. In Philippians chapter 3 also, Apostle Paul said we are the circumstances that worship God in the spirit, we have no complaints in the flesh. And as he was running up that letter, I said, look, he said, our citizenship is in heaven. From there we look for Christ, we will change our vile body like his own. So we know we are going to resurrect with him. Christ in me is the hope of glory. The hope that I'm going to reign with him. The hope that I'm going to resurrect with him. Romans chapter 5 verse 2. Uh, through whom also we have access into his grace. Wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So what's the hope of that glory? The hope that we, God is going to manifest physically to call us home. And that makes me to question the theology of the, or, 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 of the Christian New Ages who claims that rapture is not a scriptural truth. That is just an, a gimmickal um, theological embellishment. All through the Gospels, you will see the Gospels and even the Epistles, you will see the Apostle repeating the hope of salvation, the end of your face, the appearing of Christ, the hope of glory. All of this meant something. That there is an afterlife. And it's going to be with God. I don't know who said this statement. I don't know. Either Washmani, D.L. Moody, or Murray, Dr. Murray. Oh, I think it is um, Dr. Ryle, R.C. Ryle. He said, how do you hope to reign with God forevermore if while you are here, you have a lifetime you've not spent time with him? Think about that. You've not known him. You hope for an heaven to live. It's just like you, you, you intend to live with somebody you've not known. No matter how badly you need accommodations, when you packed in with that person and see that the person is, is not somebody you can actually tolerate, you know, you have to pack out. Like Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 13, he said, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with others. In other words, even the apostle recognizes the fact that there are people you cannot live at peace with. But we must just ensure that um, you let peace reign. 
So uh, you know God is an accommodating, a tolerating, a loving father. But then, if he is, we have to find out. We don't just walk with God by faith. We know him by faith because we have not seen him, First Peter chapter 1. In whom we have not seen, but you believe. I rejoice in the hope of God. We believe in the offer of Christ by faith, but our knowledge of him is not just by faith, it's by revelation. So we are still on the subject, God has revealed. And what are we do? Or I want us to do is that we are going to read a lengthy portion from First John chapter 4. And from that reference, do I have that on my note? I think I noted that reference so that I will not forget yesterday when I was studying. Oh my father, please help me. I thought I wrote it somewhere. Okay. Okay. Okay, I've seen it. First John chapter 4, we are going to read from verse 11 to 20. So, that's nine verses. And there I want to see the basis of our knowledge of the Father. Why we can know the Father. So, we are going to read that lengthy passage. And there, like I said, I intend... To make you see the possibility of the new creations. I mean, the new creatures. Maybe I should put it that way. The possibility you are brought into. And that possibility is the Father. Christ revealed the Father to us. As much as he had given us redemption. So once again, I will speak on what I have titled... God has revealed. But it's going to be the second part. And as the goal of this ministry had been, I am to reveal the Son of God and to bring people into intimacy with the Father. So we shall see God as revealed, not just by Apostle Paul, but by Christ. Apostle John told us, that of all the men that had risen and had written on religion in Judaism and around the world, the only person that had revealed the Father is Christ. And we know why. Because he had been with the Father. So in this discussion or teaching, I want to bring to light the goal of redemption and the very purpose of life, which is to know God. I know there are many preachers out there and each occupies pulpit every week, if not twice a week or more, with different kinds of messages. But I feel the message that helps believers among all others is the one that shows him God. And as a matter of fact, men are hungry for God. They are desperate to have all of him. They want to consume him. There are people who are asking difficult questions that even pastors, Bible scholars, theologians cannot answer. 
For instance, a person who is barren does not need an explanation about how God can give people children or why she had Adele. She needs a personal revelation of God's glory and the possibilities. So there are people asking questions. So of all we supply them, we have to show them God, His nature, His character, how He works, His ways. And for this quest after God, many believers had entered into wrong hands. They have entered places they shouldn't have. Because they have heard one claim that one person or one preacher knows God somewhere. And after all, when they get their word, they will be giving this anointing or they will be giving mediums. Mediums, giving candles, giving coconut, asked to bring salt, asked to pray in the middle of the night, asked to bless some water. You know, those became mediums. Sometime March last year when we were in the camp meeting, we were studying, showing us, uh, show us the Father as a thing. We begin to highlight mediums that are stood between God and the people. That is not making people to see God. And we prayed for the church that those mediums will be taken away. And they will not just be taken away because we prayed. They are going to be taken away because we chose to speak. Maya and Jolu said, he said to alter, we have to alter. That's why it is necessary. We say some things. Tell people to bring handkerchief. Tell people to, to put sticker in the front of their house or in the front of their car. Bless calendar for them and tell them once the calendar is with them. That is idolatry. It's idolatry. Yes, it works. Maybe for babies. But if God is my father, I should not contact him by anointing oil. Good, our fathers in the Lord ask us to bring it. But we do that because we honor them. But we don't live on those things. You don't. We pray, we connect with the father. And maybe those ones become supplements. You know, imagine somebody who wants to live basically on supplement. He would not eat all. He won't eat. All he wants is supplements. He goes to the chemist and, please give me supplements. And all he uses is supplements. He won't eat. That's such person with that. Just a little while. Even if I thought you are going to use whatever supplement, it must have been after you have beaten something. So if you are going to raise the handkerchief, use the apron and all of that, it must be after you have eaten the father. Else you will lift up that handkerchief, the devil will take it from your head and beat you with it. Hallelujah. We can know the father. Hallelujah. There are people because of their quest for God, all their life they have lived on the mountain. They are not even seeking God because of their personal problems. They just want 
the reality of this church. Like I, I was listening to a man of God yesterday. He, he said um, there was a particular time, and I think I came to that point in my life too. Sometimes last year too. I just became suddenly dissatisfied with these routinous teachings. There was an hunger for something more about God. In me, just as it was claimed. He said he was so dissatisfied. And at the climax of that lack of satisfaction, one day, Christ walked into his room. And that is similar with the story Papa Agito shared. So if you must encounter God in his word, maybe by revelation, through visions, we must be hungry. And let me quickly say this. When we say revelation and knowledge of the word of God, does not mean that you necessarily see an angel. It's just that God allows the scripture to be open to you in a dimension you've not seen it before. And that's the most reliable. Somebody said, and I quote, that if you cannot open the scriptures, you don't have basis for other form of revelations. Because from the scriptures to receive revelation that God can speak through dreams, he can speak through visions or trances. So for those of you who have been longing to know God, this is your time. That prayer had been answered. In this teaching, I want to show God as he's revealed in the scriptures. God is not just Emmanuel. He is in us. In other words, he's not just with us. So I will take you through a lot of scriptures just to show you how God has been revealed. So like I said, we shall begin from um, John chapter 4. In the last uh, teaching, we didn't even see the scriptures. It was just like a charge. And you know that even as preachers, we have to come to the point that we can preach without even opening scriptures. That we, kept, we keep on narrating scriptures, but we never make reference. That was how the apostles preached. They were samples of their messages. Even that was how Christ preached. He won't say in Deuteronomy or in the law of Moses. He just say it is It is written in your law. And they will quote. The apostles will write as it is written. So we blend insight with the scriptures. But because believers of today are so busy, they cannot call scriptures. We have to read. So, uh, like I said, we are going to um, read from First John chapter 4. Hallelujah. First John chapter 4, from 11 to 20. Hallelujah. First John chapter 4, 11 to 20. Let me read. 
from an electronic Bible. 11 to 20. For time's sake, we will keep to 11 to 20. We would have read the whole chapter. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. I am reading 1 John chapter 4. We are going to read from 11 to 20. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. This is an instruction. Verse 12, which is my main text. No one had seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. So the basis for trusting Christ's revelation of the Father is because he had been the only one who had seen the Father. And he did not just see the Father and died for us so that we can be born again in order to know God at the end of our journey in life. The word of God said that he had declared him. I like that. Declaration to make known, to describe. And how do we demonstrate that we have known God? Or we have seen God as it? Apostle Paul, Apostle John said we have got to love one another. So the goal of knowing God is to, is to relate better. And I'm going to take you into the depth of this ocean. That's one of the goals of this teaching. We see a race of young believers coming together, blasting in tongues, manifesting the gift, laying hands on one another, screaming, and all those excitements that come from his presence. But they still go out there and fornicate. They go out there, use nasty words. You know, I'm, 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 I'm so close to people like that. Very vibrant in Christian gathering. But once we dismiss that gathering, if you hear them talk, even their choice of words are those ones that are patterned after the people who, have, who don't have eternal life. <laughs> the proof that you've known God is that you treat others, not just as you treat yourself, was God treated you. And do you know what that means? Go and read Romans chapter 5. You read that while you were a criminal, that you do not deserve to be loved. You do not deserve to be helped. You do not deserve to be saved. You do not deserve liberty. You deserve to die. Christ died for you. And the goal of this is not just to come and enjoy God, that Christ did it all, so that I can live. That should be the order of a man's life. Verse 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he has given off of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus 
is the Son of God. God dwelleth in him, and he in God. So we see what happened in salvation. That God comes to live in a man. And how is that possible when a man confesses that Christ is the Savior? So a man can have Christ in himself, but he's not demonstrating that Christ. And the goal of redemption is not just that we receive Christ in us, but that the Christ in us is reflected. Like we read uh, in our previous teaching, Apostle Paul said he revealed the Son in me so that I can preach him. So the essence of the Son in me is that I can reflect him, not just talk about him. This is a generation we have Christians who talk about God, who discuss the scripture. But they live opposite. They live opposed. Maybe because of ignorance. And I'm going to be rounding off this teaching by showing us how we are to position ourselves. How we are to align ourselves. You know, we have prayed for alignment. There are things you have prayed for tearfully in the time past that the Lord had given me wisdom to see that no, this thing is not a matter of prayer, it's a matter of action. And that's why I like the book of Romans. After Paul had revealed to us the mystery of Christ's offer, the 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 errors of the Jews in all receiving it, the power of predestination. In that, we came into the commonwealth of Israel and the adoption. Then in chapter 12, verse 1, it said, Finally, brethren, present your bodies. Hallelujah. Look at such a mystery. Romans chapter 1, Apostle Paul tells us about uh, the dimension of the natural man. He explains what unrighteousness and ungodliness means by listing out the church. Chapter number 2, he wrote Primarily to the Pharisees, people who understand the Lord, and shows them that they are teachers of the Gentiles, but they are victims of what they are teaching. Chapter 3 he spoke about how men deviated from God's plan and how we have been brought back to God through righteousness and the offer of Christ. Chapter 4, he gave the example of Abraham, how Abraham became justified by faith. Chapter 5, he gave us the result or the benefit or um, what we came to enjoy because of the death of Christ. Chapter 6, he told us about how we can increase the grace of God by becoming dead and not allowing sin to reign in us. Chapter 7, he gave us an instance as, as, as to how the law no longer rule over us because we have been freed from the law and because Christ died for us, we are no longer under the law, but we are under grace. Chapter, that is chapter 7, chapter 8, he told us about the reality of walking in the spirit, okay? That we are indebted to walk in the spirit and until we walk in the spirit, we cannot live the life of the flesh. Chapter 9. I've forgotten what we're discussing in chapter 9. Let me quickly glance. Chapter 9. Okay, let me, if I see verse 1, I will know what to discuss. I'm going somewhere. The knowledge of God. God's righteousness. Now, let me see. Romans chapter 9. I only just need to see verse 1. I know what to discuss. That's how you have to be very used to the word of God. You must know the scriptures. As you know, ABC. Now, chapter 9. 
Okay, it spoke about the common heritage of the Jews, where it stated that uh, the Jews were the one who owns the covenant we have now. They own adoption, they own the covenant, they own the promises, and yet they rejected God's righteousness. Chapter 10, he expressed his passion for the Jews and then his 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 is is the is desire that they will come to see the reality of the righteousness that is by faith and then he's still in chapter 10 it shows us how we became saved how we come to god's plan chapter 11 he spoke about divine ordination i mean election i mean predestination divine election grace and then how Israel was predestinated and how god has chosen a remnant and he had made us a remnant then in chapter 12 he called us to present ourselves as a result i can go on and on Maybe I should continue. Chapter 13, you spoke about the, 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 the duty of a believer, the need for the believer to submit himself first to the government, first to his neighbor, and to put on Christ. Chapter 14, you spoke about our liberty and the law of love, that the greatest love is to walk in love. Chapter 15, you spoke, you spoke about bearing and not each one another's body, one another's um, um, problems and chapter 16 he acknowledged people who had labored in the gospel that is the summary of the romans and all of this explains god as he is that god is now pleased with us but now that he's pleased with us we have a responsibility so when apostle john said that when we believe god we confess jesus god dwelling in us Verse 16, I'm still on 1 John chapter 4. Verse 16, and we know, and we have known and believed the love of God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now, verse 17, I like this verse so much. Hearing is love. Now, this is Apostle John explaining love. This is love. This is the, what is it, something like hearing? That is, in this is love expressed. And look at he said, what he said in that verse. Hearing is our love made perfect. This is how our love is perfected. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as it is, so we are. That's beautiful. So one of the reasons why God revealed himself so that we can be like him and actually we become like him. And Apostle John relate to us carefully here that the end of love is that we be like God. And that becoming like God gave us a kind of a boldness that would make us to approach him now and in the afterlife. That we have boldness in the day of judgment. Where we cross from this lifetime to eternity. And it means that from the from, uh, uh, that we have this boldness even when we are faced with oppositions. Because we have lived a life without guilt. Like Apostle Paul would say, I've lived my life free of guilt from free, free of guilt before God and man. Hearing is love, verse 17 reads. That we have boldness in the day of judgment because as is so we are. How is God? He has told us already God is love. 
So when he says that as he is, it means he meant that as he is love, or you see, as he is righteous. So we are. So God is not just love, we are love too. And that's what gives us boldness. Because we look like him. We do like him. And we are going to see how God does. That's where I'm going. That's the goal of this teaching. God has revealed. Now, if we are a God now, how does God live? And how is God? Last time we did not see the scriptures, you know. I just chose we, we discuss a church. But now we are going to see scriptures. And like I told you, I'm going to take you through a lot of, as we look out for how God is revealed. So that you can see that when you are not acting God, you know. You don't just pray, I want to be like God, make me a good person. And it's very painful that in today's church, what we pray for is that, oh, Lord, my benefactor, let him come, let him come, let him come. Don't let me fall off accident. Oh, my father, all the enemies of, those are stupid prayers, prayers of babies. Prayers of slaves. Prayers that want things from God but does not demand the relationship. And it's high time we knew that we are according to a relationship. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Apostle Paul wrote and I quote, he said, God is faithful. By whom? That is by God. He said, by whom we are called into the fellowship of his son. So what we are called into is the fellowship. And like we have mentioned, fellowship is not just coming, singing, clapping, and speaking in tongues and dismiss, dis, the, uh, dismissing the meeting. It is interpersonal relationship. It is treatment of others. It is dealings with others. It is knowing each other through and through. It is going in and out with one another. That's fellowship. And he said this fellowship is not just amongst the brethren. He said first fellowship with the son. First John chapter 1, from verse 3, actually from verse 1, Apostle John said that which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have handled, which our eyes have seen concerning the word of life. In other words, he said, I, we wrote as eyewitness. We are not just preaching what somebody told us. We were eyewitnesses. We saw, we thought, we handled. They did not believe by faith. They saw. Before they believed. But we believe by faith because we do not see. And he said, the reason why we are telling you this is so that you can believe and so that you can have fellowship. And he said, this fellowship is the Father. So Christianity is not about going to church and having the name of your ministry out there. It is a relationship, which is a fellowship. He said we wrote to so that we can have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father. So our life is to reflect God and we want to see who this God is. Now we have seen the basis of the revelation. That God has been revealed and we are like God. God is love. That is God's image. That's God's identity. If you can think of love, you can, you can fathom God to some extent. So when the word of God says God made man in his own image. Now that word image actually means in his own physio physiological structure. But like I said, it's meant more than that. 
When I say in his own image, it means in his reference. You know, I teach literature in English, and then there is a literary term, also a figure of speech we call imagery. It is the use of image, and we have them in form. Metaphor is a kind of, metonymy is a kind of, where we use an image to replicate something. For instance, a skeleton means danger. Red means death or danger. White means purity. Those are images. Fear can have the image of cloud. Peace can have the image of a still river. I can use the word blue zone. To, to picture the image of prosperity. So an image is a representation of something. Not the actual something. A symbol. An indicator. So when God made man in his own image. He made man as a reference point to himself. That when the life of a man is looked into. The creator is seen. That was the design. As he is so we are. In this world. And Apostle John told us God is love. That is a metaphoric description of God. And so we are. And I'm going to show you very soon. The implication of that metaphoric description of God. I have to run. Let me get through this scripture. Verse 18 now. I'm still on First John chapter 4 verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. Oh God, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Fear has torment. Fear has torment. So why do you fear? Because you have not known God. The reason why you doubt God. To provide for you. Because you are not made perfect in love. That is, your, your heart has not been knighted. If knitted with God. If you really know him as your father. And you really know that he cares as he claims he is God. You don't doubt he's going to meet your needs. Even when you don't have any expectation anywhere. Because a loving father cannot leave his son to suffer. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. I would have taken that verse 18 deeper, but because of the time. If a man say, I love God and hated his brother, he is a liar. Get that clearly. The goal of redemption. Loving the brothers. If a man claims that he loved God, but he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loved not his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And this commandment, are we from him that we should love God that he will love God, love his brother also. Now, let's go to First John. Now, we begin to step into the ocean. And I want to run. Because if you guys don't take it, we'll not get through it. John now, chapter 1. We are giving substance to the claim that God has revealed himself. I want to see what God has revealed about himself. Hallelujah.
Oh God, help me. John, chapter one. We're going to see from verse. Seventeen and eighteen. For the law was given by Moses, so Moses did not reveal God. All he did was to reveal Christ, because Christ was the subject, was the intention of the law. So the law was written by Moses, but grace and truth came by the Lord Jesus Christ. God was in the law, but was not revealed. And that's why the people kept on committing errors until Christ came when we are able to see God. Okay? Verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. Now this is where I'm going. No one has seen God at any time. The Holy Begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. Now, where I am going actually is the fact that no one had seen God, but Christ is begotten Son, and then he had declared him, and he has the capacity to declare him because he had been with the Father. So, two points here, that God is revealed, one, two, that God can be known. And let me add one more, that God is only revealed in God and in the gospel. Let me show you two scriptures to prove that. First in Romans chapter 1 verse 17. And second one, Colossians chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. I will open and I will read. I don't want to quote by heart. It says that God had been revealed in the gospel. And the gospel is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, outside, we, outside the gospel, let me get through with the thought before I say something else. Outside the gospel, no one can know God. And it's time we stopped minding words. And we start thinking, and we stop thinking that there is an alternative way to God. It is a great compromise to believe that there are other ways into God other than Christ. And I'm going to prove it very soon. But I want us to see two vital scriptures. Then I will take to John chapter 14. To prove to you that there is no other way to get to God but through Christ. And you cannot know God except through Christ. And we are going to see what Christ revealed about the Father. Then we will pray. Romans 1.17. Let me read from 16 so we can understand. If I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, check it. The gospel of Christ became the means. For it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is not about God's power. It is God's power exactly. What does that power do? Unto salvation. That power has the capability to save a man. To everyone that believes. How are men saved when they believed what the gospel presents? To the Jews first, then to the Greek. Now the main scripture, verse 17. For daring, that is, it is in the gospel. The righteousness of God, God as he is, the word righteousness means the chaos in name. God as he is, God as he should be known. Is revealed, that is, for it is in the gospel, God is revealed. 
from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, let me explain that statement. I don't want to explain scripture because of the time. Now, check the word just. Now, the word just means decayus. It's the same word with the word justified, which means a man without guilt. Now, the word faith means... Um, I've forgotten the word faith. Okay, the word faith means pistos in the Greek. And the word pistos means... Um, conviction. So when the scripture says the just shall live by faith, it simply means that the one that have been justified, have been declared guiltless, that has received God's life, that has received God's nature, or that is working in God's justice, as the Old Testament will interpret it, must live by his conviction. His conviction of what? Of God's righteousness, of God's, of God's nature. And how do you come about that? It, it is in the gospel. Now, who is this Christ? And how has the Christ declared the Father? One, he declared the Father in two ways. Number one, by revealing, by manifesting the Father in form. He became the image of the invisible God. In Revelation chapter 1, we read that he is the Almighty. And number two, by what he revealed about God through his teachings. So Christ became the means by which we know God or had come to declare God as that John chapter 1 verse 17 states by his teaching of the Father and by his manifestation. Now let, let, me, let me quickly show you that from Colossians. I'm going somewhere. We want to see God as revealed. We have not seen God as revealed. We are laying the foundation. Then we get into God as had been revealed. Colossians chapter 1, that's one of my favorite scriptures. All of the scriptures are favorite. Now, before I read Colossians chapter 1, I want to draw your attention to something. When we are reading the scriptures and we explain the scriptures, it is very necessary we pay attention to the tenses of the scriptures. Because they reveal certain things about God and what he had done. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Apostle Peter stated, some, stated something like, we have come to know God through Christ. Actually, the KJV reads, who through him come to know God. Something of sorts. I wish I can go take you through that scripture. In Ephesians 2, Apostle Paul used that term, that we came to God through Christ. In other words, the goal of Christ is to bring us to God. Christ is the Savior, but the idea is God's. Christ is the means by which God's idea is expressed and become the object. 1 Corinthians 15. Ah, I've forgotten the scripture I want to pick there. It's flashed through now, but it's, it's left. But what I still wanted to see is that we are the object of God's love. Romans chapter 3. We are brought back to God. We are reconciled to God. Okay, now I recollect that scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle talks about that time that comes in the future. When Christ himself, we hand over the kingdom to the Father. And again, in... Uh, 
Ephesians chapter 4, we read about how Christ will present the church without wrinkle unto himself. And in Ephesians chapter 1, we read about how things in heaven and things on earth will be gathered in Christ. And everything, God will be all in all. Now, get it, we'll get it very soon. Colossians chapter 1, we see two means by which Christ had declared the Father, by his teachings and by his persons, by his person. Giving thanks to the Father, now we are blessing the Father, which has made us to be partaker of the inheritance of the saints, who made us partaker, is not Christ, it was God's original idea. Christ became the means by which it was accomplished. He is our Savior and God is our God. Is our savior, God is our father. This is not to separate Christ from God. We are talking about the process, the procedure, the means. Now, verse 13. Who are delivered us from the power of darkness, that is God, delivered from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Who did that? God, our through his son. In whom we have redemption. It is in Christ we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Now, who is this Christ? How had Christ revealed the Father to us? He wrought redemption. And redemption is to bring us to God, like I said. I will show you that scripture. Because we need to understand what I'm saying. Now, look at what was written. One of the ways Christ declared the Father was that he was the manifestation of the Father. Now, I read, Who is the image of the invincible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And it's before all things, and by him all things consist. And is the head of the body, the church, with the beginning, the firstborn from the, from the dead, that in all things it might take preeminence. I do not have the luxury of time. I would have explained that, those scriptures. But time will not permit me. Now, let me show you a scripture in Peter's to balance what I intend to show you. Then I show you another scripture in Hebrews, then we continue. First Peter, chapter 1. We are going to read from 20 to 21. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in this last time for you, this is where I'm going. Who by him believe in God? That's where I'm going. It is by Jesus we came to know God. So, the purpose of redemption is so that we can know God. Who by him you believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope my being God. Okay, now, that's what I just want to say, that it was through Jesus we came to God. God owns the idea, and Christ is the expression of the idea. And that explains John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. It was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. So the whole general idea of redemption was God. It had been with God. So the, the, the idea had to manifest in form of Jesus 
in order to bring man into the idea. Hmm. Lord, please help us. Now, let's leave that. There's no time to explain scriptures. Hebrews. Jesus declared the Father two ways. By what he taught and by manifesting God in the flesh, the image of the invisible God. Hebrews chapter 1, let's read from verse 1 to 3. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. But now in the last day are spoken unto us by his son, whom he had appointed years year of all things, by whom also he made the war a confirmation of what we read in Colossians. Christ is God's mouthpiece. Christ is the heir of all things. He owns all things. Verse 3, where I'm actually going. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his personal. Check that. The brightness of his glory. The fullness of his glory and the express image of his person. He is the manifestation of God in the flesh. So God had a person. He had a personality. And Christ is the physical manifestation. So when John said that no one has seen God at any time, but the, only, but the Son of God had revealed him, he revealed him by manifesting as God in the flesh. So Christ is God in the flesh. Time without permission, I would have taken to Revelation chapter 1. He is the Alpha, is the Omega, he is the first and the last and the Almighty altogether. Now, let's move very fast. Now, the next phase of this teaching is to check Jesus' declaration of God by his teaching. And we're going to see that in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read from 43 to 48. You have heard that it was, it, it was a long teaching. It started from chapter 5 and it ends in chapter 7. So it was a long teaching. We just want to take a capture. But the goal of that teaching is to reveal God to people. Not just to tell them stories. And when God became known to the people, there was healing. There was deliverance. You have heard that it had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, where did Jesus Christ quote from? He quoted from the law of Moses. I never forget what we read from John chapter 1. The law was revealed by Moses. But what the law wrote was what God wants for the people, which is the revelation of himself. But Moses never actually revealed that that was God. He wrote it as a law. But when Christ came, said, what you call law is not law. It is God. You will love your neighbor as yourself. Moses told them. Moses never told them God is love. But in the new gen in, 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 in this dispensation, we are told that God is love. So it is not just a requirement to love people. It is now our nature to be God, which is love. 
So that was what John meant when he said that the law was revealed by Moses. The law of this nature. Or the law as in the, the ordinances by which the old community of the Jews were governed by. The accepted values of the Jews were revealed through Moses. But God actually was made manifest by Jesus. And we are seeing that Christ said, look, Moses told you this. But that's not actually what God meant. This is what God meant. He wants to show you himself. Is love. That's the way I'm going. Verse 4 of all. But I say unto you. You see, God reteaching what Moses had taught. But I say unto you. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be. Now, why are we doing this? Why do we need to love others? That you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and setting rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love which them which love you, that what reward have you? Do not even the publicans, the even the publicans do the same. If you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so, be ye therefore perfect. Even as your father in heaven is perfect, there's no time I would have explained the scriptures, but there's no time. Let me quickly go to the main point. Now look at what Christ said. In this teaching, he said, look, the, what, the, the, the things I'm mentioning to you, they're not just morals or a set of creeds or principles this is the nature of your father and i'm teaching you this so that you can live as your father lives he said that you may be the children of your father that you may be a legitimate child so christ revealed the father by his teaching so how is the father the father is love the father does not retaliate Look at what Christ said. He said, love your enemy. And who is an enemy? Somebody that is all out to destroy you. He's not doing it by accident. He did it deliberately. He said, now you've got to love that person. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 12. Apostle Paul, it reiterated that. Now, having known this, we question what is revealed about God. That God is love. That God loves even those who hate him. So what should be your expectation? That should be your life too. Okay, before I show you two more scriptures, then we pray. Uh, if then we permit at all. Let me show you one scripture I like so much in First Peter, I think chapter 3. And there I want to show you the goal of redemption. No, chapter 2. We're going to read from 21. For even year unto where you called. It means it meant for this reason you were called. For even year unto where you called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow the steps that is love. This is what we are called to. That what the suffering that Christ suffered was not just to have us saved, but also to demonstrate how we are to respond to others. That's the goal of redemption. Look at what Apostle Peter said. He said, He wear unto, year unto. This is why. 
you know, God is not changing your behavior. He has changed your being. So your behavior can change. Now, verse 22. Who did not sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Who, when he was revived, revived not again. Even when he suffered, he threatened not. But committed himself to him that judged righteously. Back to 20, to 21, where we started. For even year unto ye we are called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. So when Christ revealed and never revealed back, he was leaving us an example. When he suffered and he never responded, he was leaving you an example. That is your lifestyle. That is who God is. That is the revelation of God is showing. So it's not just enough to blast in tongue claiming you are showing God. To carry your big Bible, but your character is otherwise. This is what you are caught to. I think even if I close here, I'll be to the target. There's nothing more to say. I said I want to show you more scriptures. And the climax of that scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, now says that he who in his own body bear our sins in his he who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the cross. Now check the word his own self. He willfully. Like he said, I did not, I was not forced to lay it down. I laid it down before because I loved him. So that verse 24 reads again, who is own self by his own will, in his own accord, bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. By his strap we are healed. We were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of our soul. Hallelujah. So how do we know God? How do we know God? John chapter 14. There's no time to explain the scriptures, like I said. John chapter 14. Yeah, we saw what Christ told Philip. Ouch. Preliminaries. Christ had been telling his disciples that he's going back to where he came from. And everybody was sorrowful. And he told them the way they did not know. But they would come after him. Then Philip asked, he should show them the way. He said, he's the way. Where to where? Where to where he was going? And where is that place to go? So when Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he meant is that I am the only way that leads to God. I am the truth about God. I am the life God wants to give. And I'm the one that makes known to you how you have to live the life. Then Philip said, look, show us the Father that you are going to meet. He said, have I been with you? And you have not known the Father? Whoever have seen me, I've seen the Father. So how do we come to know the Father? We come to know the Father by seeing Jesus. And he went on to say that whoever loves me, I love him. And we come and have our body in him. So God lives in me. And in Matthew chapter 11, Christ said that whoever have seen the Father, I've seen him. And he said that nobody can come to the Father except by me. And to whom the Father will reveal him. I ran off on this note. You are God's image. The goal of God is that you should be conformed to his image. Which 
image you are, who is Christ. Hallelujah. So God is revealed to be love. You cannot be otherwise. So you have to pray and say, Father, receive grace. To lead this nature, you have revealed to me. That my life will be a perfect reflection of who you are. Father, this is another hour to learn at your feet, to see your beauty and your glory. As you have revealed to us in your word, Lord God, speak to us. Let's see the very essence why you adopted us. Let us see the very essence why you poured the Holy Ghost on us. Show us the very thing that will keep and trigger in us an insatiable hunger for your presence. Let us see that which will birth in us a resolute, uncompromising faith in your integrity and your commitment to us. This we pray you do this very hour. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Uh, we have a lot to do this very hour, and I want to make the most use of the time. There are these two statements the Lord has been putting on my mind for some times now. Every now and then, I see the statement and coming through my heart and I believe that um, the reason for that is so that I can actually know for real and to reassure others out there that really God, who becomes our father in the gospel, is who he claims he is. You know, there are people out there the devil is actually using to assault believers. In that they intimidate them by their claims and statements. They come to show you what they've been able to acquire effortlessly without God. You know, I had this one prominent... Um, senior preacher, I'll call him a senior preacher or a motivator. He's a coach on life development. Says something like, the name of Jesus Christ would not make any sense when we say it within our circle of influence. But then that it makes more sense when we are able to accomplish a feat and the CNN will come to interrogate you as a result. And then you tell them it is Jesus. He claims that Jesus' name in, on CNN or BBC is weightier than our Christian congregation. He has his arguments. He mentions the fact that um, today's Christian gathering has experienced numeric and material growth 
that was not recorded in time past. But yet when it comes to economics, comes to governance, comes to politics, comes to commerce, the church is not there. Truth be told, that is just the reality. You say, hey, God is mighty. You say something like, hey, God is unlimited. Hey, God is the creator. We are his sons and daughters. But it's aghast the art that although we claim our father is in charge of all things, we are not in charge. But why is it so? Because that is not the goal of God. You know, what God had given us, you know, if uh, there are intelligent, eloquent, well-educated, successful preachers who had preached for years and yet do not understand the intention of God, especially when it has to do with the gospel. And if we are careful, students of the word of God would have come across portions in scriptures. Especially, I think in 1 Timothy chapter 6 or 2 Timothy chapter 6, I think 2 Timothy chapter 6, since 1 Timothy has four chapters or so. Apostle Paul strictly warns, saying that godliness is not a means of gain. You know, the way God has made it, he didn't even intend that believers should be the governors of states, president. Fine and good if you have a believer who knows the Lord and we've been having such positions for believers. Good and fine that we have believers as leaders of large corporations, as leaders, CEOs, or managers of multinational companies. We have them in categories like that. Just that we have fewer people in such positions. But why are the Lord not to make believers? Raise them, actually. First Samuel chapter 2 talks about the fact that God had the capacity to raise people from down ill and setting them among praises. He had done that. There are testimonies of people who God had picked from nowhere and had placed them among kings. But when God does that, that is not his goal. And even in your own soul, of God, I mean without God, even if you are not born, you can get to the top without God. You are disciplined, diligent, and maybe God-fearing, not necessarily to be a minister. And as some brilliant father had taught us that ministry is not just the pulpit. Ministry is influence for God in any circle of influence or place of interest. That is correct though. But truth be told, a believer in Christ has one destiny. The gospel. He has one career, the gospel. He has one skill, the gospel. He has one lifetime assignment, the gospel. And the goal of that is that we bring men to God. God is a business person. 
He invested the son. And in Hebrews chapter 1, no, chapter 2, chapter 2. The writer says that God in bringing many sons to glory made Christ to suffer. Now, what I pick from that scripture is the fact that God sacrificed the son so that Christ can bring many to glory. That is investment. Hallelujah. But in this discussion, one of the things I'm going to be putting across is the fact that nobody can reveal God, proclaim him, teach the gospel above his knowledge of the Son of God. And that is why it's very essential we keep asking that God will illuminate our hearts to know his son. You know, of course, it is the focus of this ministry to make Christ known to his people and even to the unbelievers. Because that is our assignment as believers. And in our previous study, I have discussed greatly on God and our relationship with him. We have had an inexhaustible discussion on God and what he expected from us. In fact, recently we considered a topic on um, God as he is. And from that subject, we looked at how God looks like. You know, God's art, God, 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 God has a form, a physical structure. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, Isaiah said, in the year Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord also. I like that word also. In other words, people had been seeing the Lord. And Isaiah said, I also saw him. So it's not just a story somebody said. Like in Apostle Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul said, I want to explain the gospel I have preached to you. Talking to the Corinthian Christians. Actually, they have believed. They have been saved. And they are manifesting God in a greater dimension. Anybody should long to enter. But I was supposed to say, look, I want to put order in this thing. Called the gospel. He explained what the gospel is in verse 1 to 2. But what I really want to pick was that he went forth to prove the fact that Christ actually rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he revealed himself to certain men. He mentioned Cephas. He mentioned the apostles. He mentioned 500 brethren. Now, this is where I'm going. He said 500 brethren, that is brothers in the Lord, believers, saw Christ after resurrection. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 1, we read that Christ was with the apostles for 40 days, teaching them things concerning the kingdom. But now, this is where I'm going. A lot of people saw Christ. And in verse 5, Apostle Paul said, Even me that was born after the ascension, he said, I was born out of time. He never had opportunity to walk 
physically with Christ. But like that verse 5, Apostle Paul said, he revealed himself to me also. In John chapter 5, John was caught up into heaven. He saw the form of God, one seated on the throne. And what came out of him was irradiant. And he could not actually pick a word to describe what he had seen because of that blindfolding glory. He calls it in another portion of scripture, unapproachable light. And even in Daniel, I think chapter 9, when Daniel saw into heaven, he said, I saw one who sits on the throne. So God had the form. It's not a cloud. It's not a mountain. It's not just a spirit that has no body or a demon looking for a person to possess. God is a being. And as a being, we have to know him. He's not a smoke. He's not an ideology. Like I started, there are two statements the Lord had been dropping on my heart. Two, it had been coming strongly recently. The first is that God is not a mystery. He had not been, he would not be. And the second one is the fact that God is not a consolation. You know, some people have the opinion that preachers are deceptive. That they are all out there for your money. That is a lie. We ask you to pay offering because uh, we need to support the work of God. We need the resources. And God is going to use the one you are putting in your hands in promoting the gospel. So we are not just preaching Christ because we need the money. Or because we want to bamboozle you. Although there are preachers out there who throw people into gimmicks to get their money and call for prayers and actually will not show them the real deal. And the real deal is the revelation of God. God has to be known. And that's been the focus of this ministry. Just to make God known to you. So that you can see him. And so that you can see that you are as he is. He fell for that deception because she never knew who she was. The deceptor, I mean, the deceiver, the serpent, when he came around, he blew that woman off because he told that woman, that the day she eats it, she will be like God. She, she wants to be like God, not knowing that she's already God because she was made in the image of God. And maybe if the Lord permits us, we are going to reconsider what that um, word in the image of God means. Because I feel and I do know by the little light that God has shown me from his word that that image meant more than the physical structure of God. Yes, it means that we have the structure, the standing of God, the physiological order of God. But I believe that that scripture means more than that. 
it reveals the purpose of man on the earth and the reason why God put him there. He is an image, a representation, an ambassador, and far beyond the ambassador. You know, recently I saw a video. I think Nigerian ambassador to the U.S. was caught on a tape trying to harass a woman sexually. The woman was trying to um, process some documents and the man bargained for sex. And actually, they both went to the hotel and then the man got in. The man had undressed himself. Meanwhile, the woman had informed other persons and they broke in. That's an ambassador, but he had compromised values. I mean, the values of his nation. Because of his own selfish ambition. We are not such. We are not just, ambi we are, we are not just ambassadors without values. Without connection. Without keeping in touch. Without keeping in tune with the one who had given us the ambassadorial duties. And what we call the fault was that Adam was declared independent or wanted independent from the mother nation, which is the kingdom of heaven. He wants a dominion from the kingdom of God. And he makes it all up. So the goal of... Um, the focus I have here, like we've seen in our previous study on God as it is, is um, to show you how God looks like. And we are going to be doing more of that. And how does God look, look, look like? His righteousness and holiness. All through the scriptures, whether in form or in description, or in narration or in manifestation, there is one thing you can pick about God's revelation of Himself that is righteous, that He is holy. Every now and then we saw heaven splitted open. What the angels kept on calling is holy, 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 holy. And even when I saw into heaven, saw how undone it was. So when we come into the divine presence, something happens. There's a shift. We discover the deprivation of man. Hallelujah. Thank God for grace. And by that grace, we are able to assess God's presence again because Christ made us anew. So if there's anything a believer should keep on mind, should not be the, the, the economy of Israel nation or the political instability or the problem at home, should be the picture of God. And a lot of us have lost this image because of the challenges around. So, we have looked at God as He is. And that is necessary because knowing God as He is helps to better our relationship with Him. Just as your knowledge of your friend makes you to relate with Him or are better. You know what she likes and what she does not like. In the same way, when you see the Father as clearly as He is, then you can relate with Him. And that's the goal of heaven. Relationship. Relationship. Even before the fall, you saw. 
Every now and then, God will come in the cool of the day. Whether in form or in spirit or in presence, we wouldn't know. But we know his presence is always with Adam. And by the way, the word Adam means man. Not a name. So, there has to be a relationship with the Father. And before this relationship prospers or is fully established, there must be an understanding of the Father we are dealing with. God is not a mystery. You know, there are claims out there, people say, ah, God is a mystery, nobody can know God. Uh, what God does, nobody knows. We don't need to know the in total of what he does in heaven, okay? I wouldn't need to know whether he's talking to Angel Michael or Angel Gabriel right away. But I understand what he's doing on the earth. I must understand what he's doing in my life. What he wants to do in other people's life. And my own goal is to stand as an intermediary to promoting what he had done. That even if I'm confused, when I look at the life of Christ, I should be able to have a clue, if not a full Blown revelation of how God wants my life to run. So God is holiness. When Adam was made in God's image, he was not just standing tall as God alone. He has God's likeness. And much more he is God's image, namely, he is God's righteousness. And like in our previous study, I've mentioned that the word righteousness means decay you see name. And the KUCNA simply means a man as he ought to be. So what is God's righteousness? It means God's faithfulness. God as he is. It means I am that I am. When God told Moses, I am that I am, he meant I am righteous. He meant I am righteousness. He meant I have not changed. Like in the previous chapter, I've told you when God told Moses in um, Exodus chapter 3 verse 6 that I am that I am, he did not mean that that was his name. That I said, that is my memoria. There are two different things. Meanwhile, in Exodus chapter 6, then he introduced himself to Moses and there he said, this is my name, Jehovah. But to your father, Abraham, I, I was revealed to them in the name Almighty, which is Shaddai. But I am Jehovah, Adonai, the self-existing one. There are different ways God had revealed himself in the past. Through his name. Through his power. Through his counsel, through his will. We know his mind. And that's what gladdens me. That God is not doing something in secret. Or trying to confuse us. He had made known to us his will. Ephesians chapter 1. So God's righteousness is God's faithfulness. He is the greater I am. So when Adam was made, he was made as God is. But something went wrong. But thank God, what went wrong had been corrupted. Have been corrected. And maybe I would need to show you from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. We have Paul supposed that the goal of God at creation, even before Adam slided off, was that we should walk in holiness and righteousness. And that is pretty. 
And that's a revelation that is only possible in the new covenant. In Genesis, when Abraham, I mean, when Moses was writing, all he knew was that God wanted to create man. And after creating man, he stated one of some of the purposes to have dominion, to subdue the earth, and to replenish it. But we made that means material possession. That means taking control of every sphere of your life. Yes, it meant. But when you lose the nature, you cannot. And that was why God did not create Adam in his image alone. He made him in his image and after his likeness. So it takes a likeness of God to actually fulfill the mandate of creation. But when Apostle Paul captures the whole of this, he said that the intention of God is that we should walk as he is in holiness and righteousness. That's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. So we have been remade. We are new creatures. But as new creatures, we have to know our father. That's the goal of this discussion. Like I've told you, we are going to see this in the scriptures. I have one lifetime goal and one lifetime assignment to reveal God. As much as I'm aware that there are other key aspects in the lives of a man, like in the last um, discussion I had, I titled um, A Plea for Balance. I made mention there that there are other areas of life where we need to strike balance. I read from Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 or 7. Um, Apostle, Paul said, beside, Apostle Peter said, beside this, add to your faith. So beside our knowledge of God, we have to add some other things for balance. And he ran off that unit of thought by saying that if those things we added abide, we will not fail. So there are things we have to put together, combine together for a balanced life, for a life of distinction. As vital as those areas are, it will never take the place of knowing our Father. Because our life, how quick we are able to make decisions, for time now and time to come is predicated on our knowledge of the Father we are related with. It is a bastard that will not be able to describe his father. Or one with an orphan. But our Father is a living God. Christ taught the Jews and those religious leaders when he was talking about resurrection. He said, God is not the God of the dead. When he told Moses, that is the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. He meant that Moses did not die. Sorry, Abraham did not die. Isaac did not die. Jacob did not die. They were all living in him. So death is just a transition. And Christ made a revelation. He said God is the God of the living and not the dead. The fact is, God is not dead. He is a living father. And when we cease to live on this plane of life, when we die physically, we are not actually dead. Romans chapter 15, Philippians chapter 1. We are right in the presence of the Father. Hallelujah. So our Father is not dead, so we can know him. We can see his picture. Hallelujah. So today I, sh I, I shall talk 
on the title I considered God as revealed. And that will be similar to what we have seen in our previous study on God as he is, but uh, we're going to maintain a different light now. God has revealed. That's what I'm, 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 I'm looking at. God. The word of God had presented him. So the Bible is not just reading and praying to a mysterious God who cannot be seen. Who is so secluded and isolated from man that all he does is to set angels whenever man demands his attention. No! He had been revealed and right away he lives on the inside of you. Through Isaiah, he spoke to, 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 to men of the earlier, earlier generation. He said, look, a child shall be born. You will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's not a dead God. He wants to live. Ezekiel 47, Isaiah chapter 10. I, I said Isaiah chapter 10. I mean Hebrews chapter 10. The writer of the book of Ibu reiterates the confirmation God gave Ezekiel. I think Ezekiel is 37 or 36. Where God says that in that time, I will write my law in their heart. I will be their God. They shall be my people. That prophecy is a reality today. So the gospel of Jesus is not about what God wants to do for us. It is celebrating God's Acts of benevolence and love to us. It is celebrating the accepted year. You know, in that Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah wrote, and Christ later said that that scripture was fulfilled in him. He said, uh, that scripture read, says, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me to bring the gospel to those who are depressed, to those who are depressed, to those who are in prison, um, to those who are broken hearted. And the latter part, the, the end part of that prophecy says that to proclaim. The acceptable year of the Lord. And that was fulfilled the day Christ died. We became accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. So the gospel is the fulfillment of God's promise to humankind. Second chapter 2, I think verse 4, says that he had given us exceeding and great promises that by this we can be partake of his divine nature. How? When we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. And that was fulfilled in Christ. So I shall consider the title God has revealed. We want to see God has shown us. Because we have people putting up different demonstrations. Giving mantles for people to use. And that distorts their connection to the Father. Like a woman was telling me, she said when she had her first pregnancy, she had a miscarriage, and then after that, she would not take it until six months. And what she did was that she picked a mantle that all through, um, from that period, after the miscarriage, she was putting a mantle um, underwears. And I imagine mantle, good, 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 good. The power of God can't trans, can't, 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 can't. I'm looking for the right word to use. It's transferable. I think that's the perfect word. Like we saw. The Bible said that God wrought great unusual miracles from the angst of Apostle Paul that aprons were brought out of him and it cast out demons. But before that 
statement was, was, was mentioned, it had first been written that Apostle Paul had preached the gospel. What portion of scripture is that? I know it's at. I want to preach there. There's a chapter, but it's not coming clearly. And even before they believe, the word of God said, Oh, Holy Spirit, please, can I have? Can I have that picture? I think at chapter 26. Also, he had reasoned with the, with the Jews. And some of them would not believe. And for those who believe, God had to rot miracles. So even the goal of the gospel is not miracle. It's just a side attraction. The Father has to be known. Hallelujah. It is a bastard or an orphan who does not care to know his father. And even if he does not care to know his father, he is interested in the inheritance of the parent. Like when my father died, I researched into all... I think I can assess that he had acquired before his death. That's the trait of a child. So I don't just say, I am a child of God, bless the name of the Lord. I am saved, I have the inheritance of the Father. Hallelujah, I'm, 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 I'm beloved of the Father. And even this Father you are talking about, you are just to reveal few things about him you can see. And you know, the goal of the gospel, you know one of my favorite scriptures, I mean, epistle, as, as the old theme, as the old book is Romans. And theologians even told us that, that's, that, that, that that was Paul's classic. And really, it was Paul's classic. I think recently, I think about this week or last week, I have listened to that portion of the scripture, the whole of the scripture, two times. Again. And one goal of Apostle Paul when he writes that episode of the Romans is to show us God as he is. Is to reveal the, the nature of God, the righteousness of God. To better relate with him. In there, it was in that episode, Apostle Paul made known to us that the goal of, 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 of the gospel is not just to know God as a concept, but to work in him. Colossians chapter 2, Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossian Christians, he said, as you have received Christ, Jesus said, work in him, rooted and grounded in his love. So the Father has to be known. That is the emphasis. And that's why he wrote signs. That's why he wrote wonders. But it's very painful today that what brought people to the Father is the signs and wonders. And how fulfilled is the prophecy of Apostle Paul. Although when he was writing, it he never meant a, to be a prophecy. It was also exposing God's nature. And the nature of the unbelievers to the Roman Christians. He said that these unbelievers, he said that they will, they, 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 they will celebrate the creature rather than the creator. And that's what we are doing today. It was an exposition of what should be the attribute of the Gentiles, people who don't know God. They celebrate creations, they idolize creations, and they leave the creator. They abandon the tree 
and celebrate the fruit. And that's what believers are doing today. God becomes the utility. It becomes a necessity. May we never be bastards. And if Christ said that we never leave you often, John chapter 15. Say, I will go and I will send a comforter which shall be with you. So it, we must know him. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, Apostle Paul said that it pleased the Father to reveal his son. To him, the NRT version states that to reveal his son through me. And verse 16 states that he reveals his son through me so that I can preach. We are going to see that scripture. I just want to reference it. In other words, no one can represent Christ beyond the knowledge of Christ, of God. He has. And that is why I have always desired that God will reveal himself to me, even me, more and more. More and more. I must know him. He's one of my lifetime targets. God has to be known. And they will not send an you will not send an angel to do this. Christ had done that. Ephesians chapter 2, we read that Christ had given us access to the Father. He said, through faith in his name, we have access to the Father. And I've told you in time past that this access is something, not just a concept. Like a person who gave you a credit card or a check to cash, and you are broke. And he told you he had he had he had, he had, he had uh, he had given you the check to catch the money you need to, 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 to meet your needs. Or you mind somebody who credited your account and you not go to receive it. It is accredited to your account, but you've got to go to the counter to cash that check. He gave us access, but what are we doing with the access? No prayer life, no study life. No worship life. We go to church to be blessed. You know, I have told people recently, it is very wrong to say you come to church to be blessed. Blessed by who? Was it not in, in, in Acts chapter 12, if I'm not mistaken, the Bible says, when the apostles ministered unto the Lord. Watch how that, how that emulates us. They ministered unto the Lord. And the Lord spoke separate unto me. Paul and Barnabas. Check it. They ministered. They blessed the Lord. We don't go to church to be blessed. We go there to, to bless the Father. And maybe when we say we go there to be blessed, we have to explain the blessing. I would rather say I go to church for spiritual nourishment. Well, that's what the word of God told me. Colossians chapter 2 talks about holding the egg from whom nourishment comes. 
and I receive the increase that comes from God. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about every part of the body supplying its own part and we receive nourishment and growth. I don't go to the church to be blessed. I go to, 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 to be edified with the other believers so I can receive nourishment. God's goal is that we reflect his son. But how do we reflect the person we have not seen or we have not known? So I said, and I want to recap, that no one can represent or can preach Christ or can convince others of Christ far beyond his understanding of that Christ. Leonard Ravanil and E.N. E.M. Bonds wrote, and I quote, they said, no Christian can be greater than his prayer life. That is true. But I say it this way, no Christian also can be greater and can better represent Christ above his knowledge. People said what brought Goliath down was the stones of David. But I said, no, it wasn't the stones of David. It was his knowledge of the Father. Hallelujah. How can a stone bring down a warrior who had been a warrior from his youth? After all, he had a shield. So it was not the stones. Well, the stones were the tools. But what brought him down was his knowledge of the Father. It takes one who has such a clear knowledge to confront such a terrific Goliath. So the quality of time you spend with God will equally amount to the, to the quality of your effectiveness. Whether in preaching, on in living the Christian life. No Christian is greater than his prayer life. I mean, the quality of time you spend with God will inevitably be the quality of your Christian work, of your work and knowledge, of your knowledge and power. Why? Because to be much for God, we have to be much with Him. And how does this knowledge of Christ come? Does it come because we go to church, we attend Bible study, we can recite portions of the scriptures? No! This knowledge doesn't come because we can recite some Bible passages. It comes by revelation. Apostle Paul said, how he made known to me by revelation. Which I can give you where that scripture is found. He made known to me. Let me check it out. By revelation. In Matthew chapter 16, Christ asked his disciples, Who do men say they are? They submitted the opinions of men. Then they asked them, Who do you say I am? And Peter submitted an opinion. 
And Christ said, look, this is not an opinion. It is a revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which he gave unto John. So Jesus is not just read from the Bible. Meanwhile, our start point in knowing this Christ has to be from the Bible. But the actual Jesus had to be known by revelation. Revelation and knowledge, E.W. Kenyon wrote, is very vital in comprehending the Son of God. So what have you known of God? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 3. I will read from verse 2 and 3. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to you all, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. So Apostle Paul said, look, and you know, that was why I said God is no longer a mystery. Apostle Paul said, look, he had made known to me the mystery. And he said, look, this mystery, I did not keep it to myself. He said, I have written about it. And where is that mystery found? Ephesians chapter 2 is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. It contains the new creature realities. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. He said, look, he made known by revelation. The word revelation from the Greek word apocalypse. It means to open up something, just as you open uh, um, the, 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 you, 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 you open the bottle of your soft drink. Sometimes you cock it up. Sometimes you make use of your opener. It is there, but it has to be opened. And such opening does not come, except by prayers, except by fasting, except by laboring, you know. I recollect uh, what um, Kenneth Hagin Jr. wrote about Papa Hagin. He's a grandpa himself also. He said when he was growing up, all he knew about his father was that he stationed at the dining. 24-7 when the father is there. The only time he had a break as much as he knew was when they want to add a devotional and when they, have, they want to have, when they want to have their meals. And I said, look, my father is a product of years of study. Little wonder that man is head all around the world. We need to be rooted in our knowledge of the father. And I don't, I'm not challenging you. I want to show you what is revealed of God? And that is why I titled this charge, God has revealed. I want to see the bottom, the, the, the bottom line. You know, there are young preachers now who are coming up and who claim that Jesus Christ appeared to them. Fine and good, bless the Lord. But he didn't promise he's going to appear to us. He said, Lo, I am with you. And when he promises the Holy Ghost, he said, look, the Holy Ghost shall be with you and it shall be in you. So whether Christ appears to be visibly or not visibly, I can still know him. He had been revealed in the world. So when I see the word of God, I got to know the Father. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the world, the world was God, the world was God. It was in the beginning with God, all this were made through him. Uh, without him, nothing was made. That was made. 
after Christ's death and resurrection, and he met those disciples on their way to Emmaus, the Bible said that he exposed things concerning himself to them through Moses, uh, the prophets, and all the scriptures. In other words, even when Christ wants to reveal himself to his disciples, the only means by which he can do that is through the scriptures. That even when he presented himself visibly, they could not see him. So you cannot know Jesus Christ by vision. Like some Christians will bring, oh, show me the vision of heaven, show me the vision of heaven. It starts to, you, you, don't know, you don't know Jesus Christ by, 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 by going to heaven. Although, I heard an apostle say that when Christ appears to you visibly, even if you had not said something, you had said a thousand things. That may be correct. I've not seen him walk to me visibly. But I have seen him revealed in the scriptures. And the apostles who wrote to us about God, they told us that their revelation were picked from the scriptures. Romans chapter 16, Apostle Paul said, Look, all I had written to you, I wrote by the revelations the prophets are shared. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. He said, I concern his son Jesus Christ, who of the seed of David according to the flesh and by the Spirit of holiness was declared to be the Son of God according to what the prophets had revealed. So the secret and, 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 and the source of revelation of the apostles were the scriptures. So don't let anybody fool you. God has revealed. So Ephesians 3, verse 3. He made known to me by revelation. Paul said. Meanwhile, Peter said, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. In John chapter 6, he actually said, To whom shall we go? For you have the word of eternal life. And he added, For we have come to know that thou art the Christ. And that confirms what we saw in Matthew chapter 16. So when Christ said, I mean, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, it was not a slip of tongue. It was not, it was not a saying uh, out of impulse. Like he did in, in, in chapter 17 when they went to the Mount of Transfiguration and Christ was transfigured before them and he became nervous. He just wanted to say something. And he said, let us build a tabernacle. And the whole cloud enveloped them and he was nervous. It was not in such light. He knew what he said. And Christ even confirmed that he had gotten an insight. Friend, you have to know God. One of the truths that must be clear to us is that God is not a mystery. He has never been and he will never be. He has revealed himself and he likewise Make us know what he requires from us. In other words, he didn't just only reveal himself. He also reveals to us what he demands from us. How we are to live life. How we are to go about life. So it is a good news. I mean, it is good news to tell you that God can be known. In other words, your prayers of years had been answered. But the problem is that you kept on praying because you never knew that that prayer had been answered. 
And there are people whose greatest prayer is that, God, I want to know you. God, I want to know you. Lord, reveal yourself to me. Lord, reveal. And they have prayed that prayer for 10 years. And they have not known a jack. Some of them will pray till they go to their grave. But I'm, I'm glad to tell you that that prayer was answered. Romans chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 2, those are my favorite scriptures. Tell us that those prayers, that prayer was answered. He took away the middle of partition. And we are, we, we, we are, we are now, um, Apostle Paul College, we have access to the commonwealth of Israel. Is that true? It's that we have access to the Father by faith. Colossians chapter, Colossians chapter 2 said that he, he had taken away the requirement that was against us. He disarmed principalities and power. We have access to the Father by faith. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 and 2. Have we been justified by faith? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through also we have access by faith to this great wherein we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. We rejoice where there is a hope that God is revealed as the glory of God. Meanwhile, in Romans chapter 4, verse 24, I think verse 24, the last verse, Apostle Paul said that he was offered for our offenses so that we can receive God's nature, God's righteousness. And chapter 5, verse 1 says that because of this, we have peace. So that you want to know God is not a prayer. You should be knowing him practically. I tell people, you know, some, some years ago, a, a lady was chatting me on that old um, um, old um, medium of chat um, to go. She said, uh, Mr. Tosin, please, I have this pants after God. I am praying that God will make me know him. I said, that prayer was answered. That was years ago. So I knew this years ago. The prayer was answered. I'd been answered by Christ. It is not my desire to know God. God can be known. But the question is, am I doing my role in knowing him? Except I'm a bastard. So good news, friend. God can be known. Your prayers of knowing him have been answered. So why did God answer that prayer? Because he knows how he had fashioned man. That there is something in man that will never be addressed except he had come to identify, he had come to know his creator, the person from whom he came. Now we have to round off in six minutes. And we have not even started it just at all. We have not even started. God fashioned us that when he's empty on the inside, we Feel the vacuum. I don't know whether I was the one who stated, who said it, or I read it. That there is a vacuum in man, nothing can fill but God Himself. Fill it with sources. Fill it with money. Fill it with fame. Fill it with influence. Fill it with marriage. Fill it with goodly and beautiful children. Fill it with every goodly things you can afford. But let God be vacant. There will be vacuum. So God, knowing this reality, made Himself known. So God revealed himself because he knows there is a longing in man to know him. 
So after giving you all you need to enjoy, all you need to survive, all you need to sustain on, which includes the natural gifts, such as your oxygen, such as good health, such as natural resources, such as skills that you need, he gave you, after giving all natural things, he also gave you an empowerment to know in him. Apostle Peter captures that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He said he had given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In the knowledge of him. So God gave us himself. And as our pride, as our confidence, God doesn't just live within us. He is not just driving us and using us as a wills against our own will. Or against our own wills. No. That's not what he does. He lives on the inside of us and makes us to yield to the influence of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So the reality is that we know God because of what has been supplied to us from the Scriptures. And we have to round off here, but before I do, I will show you that scriptures in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. And from there, I will just, in a few statements, mention some challenge because it's one hour already. Maybe in the second teaching, I would go on. Should I just read that Galatians? That's where I'm going to stop. Galatians chapter 1. And as I was studying before this teaching, that scripture came traveling on my heart. And I believe the Holy Ghost wants us to see it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless God forevermore. Galatians chapter 1. Glory be to God forevermore. We're going to read from verse 15 and 16. And that's the basis of our challenge. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and caught me through his grace. I'm reading from the NKJV. Verse 16. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. There are three things I want to pick here. I would have liked to throw a challenge from the scriptures. That what had God revealed to you? Apostle said, Look, it pleased God. To reveal his son to me. Like I told you, the editor said, he revealed it through me. Why such a revelation? So that I can better speak for him. So what I can speak for him out there has so much to do with what I know. And after, you know, literally this place meant that Paul became saved. That was what he meant by revealing but after that, he had come to the consciousness and to the reality of the redemption that is in Christ. Do you know what this guy did? He said, I went to Arabia. 
and he was there for three years. So what are you doing to know more of Christ? What knowledge of the Father have you got? This is a challenge. Think about it. Think about it. Think. God is goodness and love. And we have got to know that the basis of our Christian faith is to know God intimately. First as a father. Second as our lover. Third as our friend. Fourth as our helper. And lastly as our savior. And consequently... I mean, as a result, you can return to God and live in Him and have your being in Him. Which means that you can still be engaged in your secular jobs and still have God involved in it. You can go about your businesses and ordinary life and still have God at the center of your life. Meanwhile, it is worthy to mention that God is not a means, but the very end of your life and your existence. Apostle Paul summarized life in Romans chapter 15 and Philippians chapter 1. He said, whether you live or you die, you are God's property. You have to give him glory. That is the goal of the good news. And that is the news of the gospel itself. So I intend to examine God as revealed by Christ. First, John chapter 1 verse 18 says that no man had seen God at any time before Christ. But Christ came and so revealed the Father. So we have a first-hand revelation of God by Christ because he had been with the Father. So Christ's revelation is first-hand like I said. But then I shall see scriptures on Jesus' teaching about God so that we can see that truly God had been revealed. And yet, I am not seeing what Christ has said about God. But that all he has said about God is not just some sects of teachings or creeds or philosophy. But that they are authentic revelation of God that we can rely on. They are reliable submissions of who God is. The major scripture... I shall consider shall be Matthew chapter 5. And there we are going to see God's benevolence, God's character, God's nature. And how he deals with us. And the second scripture is on Jesus' meditative and reflective teaching. A few days before his death. And that is 
tracks from John chapter 13 through 19. And from those teachings, Jesus Christ made some profound statements. About the fact that he's going to the Father and the Father is greater than he is. And the Father loves him and I put everything into his hands. And I had gone to make a place for us with the Father. They are elaborate, continuous and overflow teachings. That are to take chapters to contain them. Meanwhile, I shall focus on what he replied Philip. I see it in John chapter 14. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that was after he had told them that they are no longer going, he's no longer going to be with them because he's going to be with the Father. So they were sorrowful. So John chapter 14, verse 1 started with Christ trying to encourage them. He said, Do not let you have a troubled. In my father's house are many mansions. A kind of a word of encouragement. But they were sorrowful when they heard that you have to leave them behind. And he spoke more of that way that. One of them had to interrupt him. And that was not the first time such interruption on the way we come. He said, show us the way. And Christ said, look, there's no all the way. I am the way. I'm the truth about the Father. I'm the life. I said, no one can come to the Father. So when Christ said, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He, he meant to show us that there is no other way to knowing God, to coming to God, to receiving God, to living for God, other than knowing Christ. And now as Christ revealed himself, Christ is revealed in the gospel. As much as God is revealed in the gospel. So I shall critically examine his reply to Philip. As he stated, that whoever had seen him had seen the Father. And then I shall prove that that statement is authentic because Christ is the manifestation of the Father in the flesh. And in Revelation chapter, chapter 1 from verse 5 to 6 and verse 8, we read that Christ is the Alpha, is the Omega, is the First is the last, is the faithful witness, and is the Almighty. And I will tie all these expositions to the fact that the goal of redemption is becoming God's image. Coming into conformity to his son, as seen in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. I will also show you who God is, as expressed clearly in the epistles of Paul, as seen in Ephesians chapter 4 and Colossians chapter 3, respectively. Lastly, I shall mention how we can trust the scriptures because all these scriptures were written from the prophecies of the prophet, that even Christ himself cannot reveal anything about himself outside what Moses wrote, what the prophet wrote. And what the Psalms had said of him. So the scripture, I mean the Psalms, become the basis of our knowledge of God. But of all, we have to settle the fact that 
You are God's image. As Adam was. And right now, the goal of God is to conform to the image of the Son because His Son is His own image. So I become the image of Christ as Christ is God's image. So we now become all in one God's image. And when we say the image of something, we mean the picture of something. So the word image of God, he made man in his own image, uh, or we are that, or, or that we are in the image of God simply means that we are in the picture of God. We are the representation of God. We are the replicas of God. We are pointers of God. We are reference points to God. Just like when I say something like the image of hope, you know? When I say the image of hope, I mean things that portrays or that points to hope or that gives a person hope. So when I say the image of God, I mean things that reference God. So why do we need to see who God is? Because we are his image. And until we see who he is, we can't be conformed to that image. And God's greatest goal, as revealed in the scriptures, that we are conformed to his image. Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, the renewal of your mind there is not your psyche. The word mind there means your spirit. And invariably your mind. But there's no renewment of the mind except the spirit has had a contact with God. So when the scripture says that God made man in his own image, it's meant more than the meanings we have read to that, to that portion of the scriptures. You know, by that word, the image of God will think man is like God, that is, he looks like God structurally, physiologically. Hmm. That is nice. But it means more than this. It means that man is to represent God. Man should be seen and God is seen. Like those guys rushed, rushed to Paul. And they said God had come to us in human flesh. And Paul had to prove to them that it was not actually God. That our life will portray such. That when we come in contact with men, they see us as deities. And really the scripture says you are God. That's the goal of eternity. God told Moses, do not mind your weakness. I know you stammer, but I have made you a God to Pharaoh. We are God to the rulers of this world. And when I say rulers, I mean the devil and his demons. And those ones he influences to fulfill his agenda. So man as God image means man as a reference point to God. You know that was to the end that when man is seen, God is seen. In essence, 
Man should demonstrate all that the nature of God is. Why? Because man is his reference point. Man is his image. Man is his representation. Apostle Paul told us that we are God's ambassador. Even Jesus himself said, whoever has seen the Father has seen me. Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, I think chapter 4, chapter 5, I'm not too sure. He said, as we behold him, in the image, we are being changed into the same image. How? From glory to glory. So God is also glory. He's love. And like I referenced the other time in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Apostle Paul spoke about that which may be known of God, that is, that which is common with God. From this fact, we see the fundamental truth of God in the gospel. That God had been revealed and that it can be known. That certain things are known of God. He said that which may be known of God have been made manifest to them, but they have subdued the truth of God with unrighteousness. And the next verse, I think verse 22 now says that, says that the invincible attributes of God are clearly seen, be made known from the things that are seen, and even His eternal power and God are without excuse. So God is not a consolation. So in all the scriptures, we see all of God and the Christians' essentials, what matters to the Christians, spoken of, by the apostles. So this is a challenge. If there's anything you run after, it must be to know the Father. If there's anything at all that makes you fast, that makes you weep. That inspires you. It should be to the Father. It is the goal of God that men will seek Him. In the Psalms we read, To him that answer prayer shall all flesh come. That's the goal. All flesh must come to Him. And even you. Are you coming to him? Can you begin to examine your devotion to God? God didn't wait for you to be a good person before he qualifies you for salvation. He saved you first, and now what he demands is that now you have to leave the demands over your life to demonstrate the nature of him you have received. And what is this nature? In Ephesians chapter 4, Apostle Paul calls this nature righteousness. And righteousness means a man as he ought to be. As he ought to be in God. 
I read Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17 through 23. These I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the fortitude of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of the heart, who being past feelings have given themselves over to leadness to walk all uncleanness and with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. The truth in Jesus. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful law. Verse 23, which is the main scripture. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now you check the word mind. He has used in Romans chapter 12. The spirit of your mind still refers to the word mind. The center point of your being. The innermost being. Now the, most, the main scripture, verse 24. And that you put on the new man. And what is about this new man? Which was recreated after God. This new man is like God. Is recreated in the image of God. And what is it like? In true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. That we should walk in love, that we should be holy, that we should be without blame. Holiness is God, righteousness is God, love is God. And all of this is the goal of redemption. Until this is expressed in your life, God had not accomplished his feats. And how are you to respond to redemption? That same Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 4 rather, let's read from verse 1 through 5. I therefore, the president of Paul, beseech you to walk worthy of your calling which you were called. To walk worthy. So you have been qualified. You are now worthy, but now walk out worthy. Because you did nothing to be worthy, but now you have to do something to prove that you are worthy. And to be worthy means to, to, to prove your qualification. To show yourself approved of God. Walk worthy of your calling with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as we are called in, in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. But now you yourself, are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie one to another, since you have put on, you have put off the old man, which with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him that they created him. So there is an image that they created in human. 
First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 1 and 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and, ev and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the systemic of the word of God that you may grow thereby. If you need, you have stated that the Lord is good and gracious. You are seeing the goal of knowing God. And finally, Romans chapter 12. Finally, brethren, present your body unto the Lord, the living sacrifice, holy and accept God, which is your reasonable service. So you can begin to trust God to help you to be conformed, to live for Him, to walk with Him, to love Him more and more, more and more, more and more. Help me, Father. Can you cry for your life? That the goal of heaven and redemption will be fulfilled in your life. 